Sometimes nice guys don't finish last. That certainly happened in the 1990s in a sporting event that I did not know existed until I was getting the sermon together. It was a marathon kayak tandem racing event, whatever in the world that is. But it was the world championships of that event. I guess it's popular enough you can have a world championship of that. It was held in Copenhagen, Denmark. And the Danish paddlers in that race were leading when the rudder on their kayak was damaged. The British team, who was in second place at the time, actually stopped to help them fix their kayak. The Danes went on to win the race by one second over the British. The event lasted nearly three hours. And you think, wait a minute, the nice guys were the ones that stopped and helped them fix the boat, and they didn't come in first. They, they, they came in second. But that's not the end of the story. According to the Wall Street Journal, the British kayakers in that race won what some people, especially on the European continent, consider to be the highest honor in all sports. They became the winners that year of the Pierre de Coubertin International Fair Play Trophy, named after the founder of the modern Olympics, an award that's been given out for about four decades to people in sports who have demonstrated nobility of spirit and fair play. You know, it's sad that so often in a lot of arenas of life, we don't consider acts of kindness as the key. We, we, we're thinking about victory, and all we can think about is who comes out on top, who wins the race. And it's true that playing fair, it's true that being a good sport does not always mean that you win the race or the game or the match or even get an award such as those people did. But it's also true that we gain something far greater than a trophy or financial reward or any kind of fame when we show kindness. Tonight, we are thinking about the biblical concept of kindness, as that's our one word for this week. It's interesting to note the concept of kindness in the Bible, because depending on the translation you have of the Bible, the one that you regularly use, you may or may not see the word kindness all that often. You may see words, for example, like goodness or gentleness in various places where other translations have the word kindness. But the idea behind that term, kindness, is a general goodness that's on display because of something that's coming from the inside, a moral inward goodness that displays itself on the outside. Would you open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3? That text we read a few moments ago is going to serve as our text for tonight. And again, tonight, there's no handout because of the kind of short turnaround and getting this lesson together. So if you have your Bible open to Colossians 3, again, you'll have your hand, the, the handout right there in front of you, the outline right there in front of you in that text. Paul is talking in Colossians chapter 3 about those who are in Christ and about things that they both need to take off or put away and then things they need to put on or add to their lives. And by the way... In that one very simple observation that Paul would say both of those things, there's a valuable lesson about what it means to be a follower of Christ. There are two sides to it. There are certain things that we need to put off or put away from us. If you look in Colossians 3 at verse 8, you read this, But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk, from your mouth. The next verse goes on to talk about lying and putting that away. We know that there are certain things that Christians put away that we do not do. But Paul then turns things around, and in the scripture reading we read a few moments ago, makes it clear that Christianity is not just about the things we avoid. There are certain things we must also put on. 
We must keep in mind that Christianity is not just some kind of play it safe, I don't do anything religion, although it's important to avoid sin. Christianity is a proactive faith that leads us to put things on and to act. And among those things we are to put on is kindness. You see that listed among that list in verse 12. Now, instead of looking at that whole list of things we are to put on, what I want to do tonight, since our one word for this week is kindness, I want to stick with that concept of kindness and make some general observations about kindness from this context in Colossians chapter 3. In the first place, I would like you to note that kindness comes from a realization. Kindness comes from a realization. Did you notice that verse 12 began with that little phrase, put on then? And you think, wait a minute, didn't we just talk about that this morning? We, we, we talked about a text this morning that contained the word then as well. It just happened to fall that way. Why would Paul use that word then as he was opening this phrase in Colossians 3 and verse 12? Of course, the word then hints at time. Once something is in place, then something else can be in place. Or once this happens, then that can happen. And in the context, Paul had just made a couple of observations that both sort of lend a hand to us understanding that we should put on certain things, including kindness. And the first is that he mentioned what we mentioned just a moment ago, the realization that we must avoid certain things or put certain things off, but then also that we are to be proactive. You know, if all we ever do is put off certain things, put certain things away, if that's all we ever do, we're not fulfilling our faith in Christ to the greatest extent that we could. But also, there is another realization that Paul mentions in the previous verse, and it would have meant a great deal to his readers. If you're in Colossians 3, glance up at verse 11, where Paul said, Here then, or excuse me, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. But look back up even a little bit further, and you see why that was so important. Begin reading back up in verse 9. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Now, now why is that so important? It's important because these original readers, the ones that first put their eyes on this letter from Paul, would have read that, and they would have come to the realization that Jew and Greek and everything else listed in verse 11, every one of them is made in the image of their creator. They are all one in Christ. Now, why is that important for our thoughts tonight? It's important because it helps us realize that Christian kindness is not only for a few Now again, notice in the context that Paul would write to the church at Colossae about the relationships one with another. For example, they're told in verse 12 to forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. That's how verse 12 ends. I point that out because he was showing that Christians, those who have been forgiven by the Lord, how they are to treat one another. But the point he is making in the context is that these Christians came from all sorts of backgrounds, some with different ethnicities, some with different religious backgrounds, but now because they were all Christians, they were all one. You know, it can be very easy due to our human nature for us to just pick and choose those who we will treat properly or who we will really show kindness to and those we will not. And sometimes it's based on nothing more than just who has a similar background to the one that I have? 
But Paul is blowing that mindset completely up. You know, if we are in Christ, if we are one, we may have different skin color. We may come from a different place. We may have a different religious background. But if we are all in Christ, we are one. And when I realize that, I will extend kindness to all I may not be able to do every kind thing possible for every single person in every single situation. That's simply not possible for every person. But I will not pick and choose who I will show kindness to just because someone looks like me or has the same background as I do because I realize, I realize we are all one in Christ. Kindness comes out of a realization. And with that in mind, then in the second place, consider that kindness is a choice. Now, that may sound strange. Because sometimes we talk about people and we say, you know, that person, they're just naturally kind. It's amazing to watch. And there are some people who extend kindness and it seems to just naturally flow from them, while there are others who struggle to really show kindness. But by saying in verse 12 that we are to put on these things, including kindness, Paul is making it clear that each and every one of us can choose to be kind It is a choice, just like everything else in that list. I choose to be meek, or I choose to be patient, or or I choose to forgive, or anything else found in that list of verse 12. And that includes kindness. It is ultimately a choice that each individual makes. And the reason that can be true is that the type of kindness that Paul is writing about is not something that just naturally flows from a lot of people. The word that's translated kindness in this list in verse 12 excuse me, literally carries the idea of moral excellence. It's it's the same word as some translations have in the fruit of the Spirit of Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But it's also the same word that's found in Romans chapter 11 and verse 22 that in the King James Version describes God as the one who is both goodness and severity. Now, tie those couple of concepts together, God is naturally good. He he is good because that's his nature. But you and I must make the choice to be good and be kind. But tie that also back to the fruit of the Spirit. If we have the Spirit of God, part of that fruit that makes itself known in our life is an inward moral excellence that expresses itself in kindness. That's the idea behind this word in Colossians 3. But again, we must keep the context in mind. Paul is writing that we put on this kindness. We choose to be kind no matter the person we are dealing with, no matter the brother or sister in Christ that we're dealing with. Of course, we can look to the example of Jesus. Now, it needs to be said that Jesus was not always saying things that were just sweet to everybody. Right When he saw sin, especially when he saw religious hypocrisy, he would very clearly and very boldly point that out. And so kindness does not always mean all of our words are just you know, flowers and rainbows and stuff. But why did so many people want to be around Jesus? From the poor to the children to those who were outcasts in society? Well, there's a lot of reasons. But one of them is simply because he was kind. He, he did not treat those who were rich as better than those who were poor. 
He lifted the place of women in society by treating them with kindness they had never known. He wanted children to be near him when other people wanted the children to be sent away. He spoke to a woman at Samaria when, as a Jew, that was considered at best scandalous and really completely wrong. He just loved being kind toward people. And now, a few decades later, Paul was writing to Christians those who wear the name of Christ, and he's telling them to choose to be that same way toward all other Christians. And you think about the context, and you remember back up in verse 11, some of that, those lists of people who are now all one in Christ. Can you imagine being in a congregation of the Lord's people where among the society, slavery was a part of the structure of the economy, and in this congregation you had both slaves and those who were free? How would they treat each other? And on top of that, what if there were some who were slaves and even some who were masters of slaves? How would they treat one another? They would choose to be kind. By the way, just as a side note, the New Testament never teaches that slavery is to be a part of society. In fact, if the principles of Christianity would be followed, slavery would end But the New Testament also does not allow for cruel treatment either way, masters towards slaves or cruel uprisings by slaves towards their masters. Instead, it's the choosing to have a proper attitude. And if everyone is choosing kindness, among other things, that practice is gone. It would naturally go away. Sometimes we can struggle to show kindness, but we can choose. It doesn't matter if someone grew up here or someone moved here from somewhere else. It doesn't matter if a person has the same skin color or not. It doesn't matter if they are from America or from somewhere else. It doesn't matter if that person grew up, as we say, in the church or if they were raised in a denomination or if they were formerly an atheist or some other world religion. When a person chooses to put Christ on in baptism, we choose to be kind because all those differences are now taken away by the blood of Christ. We don't see As man sees, we see one. And with that in mind, number three, may I suggest that kindness is a building block of Christian relationships. People are looking for kindness. You know, we we live in what some have called the most connected society the world has ever known due to technology. But we also live in one of the loneliest societies because there is no depth to many of our relationships. People are looking for real kindness. The story is told, and I was not able to run down if this is a real story or not, but it, it illustrates the point well. The story is told of an older lady named Mamie, and she always went to a branch post office in her town because the employees there were, were friendly. And she went there one time to buy stamps. And it was just before Christmas, and of course at that time of year the lines were really, really long, and someone pointed out to her that there was no need to wait in that long line just to buy stamps because there was a stamp machine there in the lobby. And this older lady kindly replied, I know, but that machine won't ask about my arthritis. Is that not our society in a nutshell? We know that to be the case. In recent years... The publication House to House, Heart to Heart, we gave some of those out our door knocking a few nights ago, has seen explosive growth. The main reason is because I believe God is blessing that work. But I would suggest to you that some of the reason for that also is, we, is they have found, those who've looked at those things, why they've grown so much, that many in our society, especially some who are older, rate that checking the mailbox is one of the most exciting things of their day because they might be connected with someone. 
Someone might have sent them something, a letter or a card or whatever it happens to be. We are looking for kindness. But in our context, Paul makes it clear that kindness is one of the building blocks of a true Christian relationship. After listing all of those things in verses 12 and 13, including kindness, if you're still open to Colossians 3, notice what he writes in verses 14 and 15. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. We really cannot truly put on love if these other things, kindness included, are not in place. And we all know that we are to love one another. We just sang the song a few moments ago. And so in that way, kindness is a building block of true Christian relationship. But did you notice that it also helps build Christians into one body? Verse 15 says, we really cannot have Christian relationships without kindness. But again, remember the meaning of the word. It comes from the idea of moral, inward moral excellence that's on display outwardly. It's an expression of good morals. And by the way, for your own thoughts sometime... Remember that this is one letter. Paul is just writing a letter. And what's the very next verse after the one we just read? Verse 16, he talks about our worship and singing. May I just suggest to you that if we want to improve our singing and worship, one of the best places to start is by working our relationships one with another. It is really, really difficult to sing words like how sweet, how heavenly is the sight when those who love the Lord in one another's peace delight and so fulfill the word if I'm angry with everybody else. That's really hard to do. But if I'm showing kindness and receiving kindness, how much easier will that become to sing in the spirit and with the understanding? But where does it all start? We are one in Christ. We realize that. And we build from that. We're so busy in our world. Sometimes we can fail to show kindness. Other times we're busy or things go on in our life and, and we struggle to see kindness being displayed to us. And I think sometimes it's because we think kindness has to be done in some huge way. Maybe we feel slighted if somebody doesn't do just the biggest thing for us or at least what they do it doesn't match what other people have done. But remember what the word means. It just means inward moral excellence on display. Yes, sometimes it may be a large act. Other times, it may just be that person. I use the word just there in quotation marks. It may just be that person who's very quiet and who prays for you, and you don't even really know it. But their inward moral excellence is on display. An artist, an art critic of the late 1800s, John Ruskin, said it well. He said, a little thought and a little kindness are worth more than a great deal of money. But maybe more famously are the words of Aesop when he said, no act of kindness, no matter how small, is ever wasted. May I ask, are you generous with your kindness? Whether those things are large or small, whether they're public or private, do I withhold acts of kindness or prayers out of kindness or big and small acts of kindness just because somebody looks a little different or because they have a different background because I don't know them as well? Or, folks, as God's people, we are one. We are one. And we are to be kind one toward another no matter those backgrounds and differences. May God help us to be people of kindness. May God help us to have an inward moral excellence 
that puts itself on display through all the talents with which God has blessed us. There are some in this room who that, if you please, talent, and I'm not a big fan of using that word to describe prayer, but for some people, that talent, if you will, is that quiet person who prays. And oh, how that needs to be appreciated. There are others who that talent is, is sending cards or doing things behind the scene, just dropping by a, a, a gift card or a meal that no one really knows except maybe that person who's, who's sick. For other people, it's being a Barnabas, just that person who just knows what to say. I wish I had that gift. Don't you love people like that who just know what to say? But it's an inward excellence on display. For, for others, have all kinds of talents, and it seems like what they do just almost makes headlines because it's just amazing the things that they're able to do. But Christian kindness starts inside with moral excellence and displays itself through any and each talent that each Christian has toward each and every other member of the family of God. Here in just a few minutes, our care groups are going to meet. I don't typically preach on four Sunday nights. Tyler usually does. We mentioned he wasn't feeling well. I'm glad to, glad to swap weeks with him. But may I just remind us all that our care groups in many ways are simply an organized way to show kindness. To take a, a group of people who have that inward moral excellence and put certain things on display. But as I extend the invitation, let me simply ask this. Aren't you thankful that God shows kindness to you? I'm not sure that's a word we ever really think of when we think of God. We don't describe him that way very often. But our God is kind. Of course, he is morally excellent. He is morally perfect. But that led him to do, to lead to something to where you and I have hope, have forgiveness, have strength, have comfort, have mercy, have grace, have relationships, and have the opportunity to be his children. See, that's kindness on full display in a perfect example through God. Tonight, have you put his son Christ on in baptism? where your sins are washed away, where the kindness of God washes your sins away. As a Christian, you've been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, but but are you living a life of kindness? Do you have that inner moral excellence? And are you letting it be on display through whatever avenues and talents God has blessed you with? Tonight, if you need to return to Him or come to Him for the first time to become a Christian, we invite you to come while we stand and sing to encourage you.